Welcome to Technovation, a weekly conversation with people who are shaping the technology landscape. I'm Peter High, president of MetaStrategy, advisor to technology executives, Forbes columnist, book author, and your host. Each episode of Technovation features insights from top executives and thought leaders at the intersection of business, technology, and innovation. If you like what you hear, we'd be grateful if you give us a rating on iTunes or through whatever other source you use for podcasts. And please subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Thank you. My guest today is Paul Selway. Paul is the Senior Vice President and Chief Digital Officer of Altagas, a $4 billion revenue Calgary-based energy business primarily focused on utilities. Paul joined Altagas in 2017 as Chief Information Officer and assumed the CDO title in 2019. In so doing, it was representative of his focus expanding beyond traditional information technology to how Altagas uses digital to transform the wider business. In this interview, we discuss the opportunity Paul sees for the oil and gas industry to adopt new technologies, the significance of Paul's title change, and some of the strategic priorities for Paul's team as he's taken on the CDO role. We discuss some of the external partnerships the company has formed as it's looked to embrace analytics, why Calgary is one of the world's best-kept secrets in the technology landscape, and how the company's future of work program allowed it to have a more seamless transition to work from home once the pandemic struck. Lastly, we discuss Paul's view on the future of mobile workforce, some of the emerging technologies on Paul's minds, including 5G, augmented reality, virtual reality, drones, and blockchain, and a variety of other topics. Paul Selway, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Great to be here, Peter. Thank you. Well, Paul, you are the Chief Digital Officer of Alta Gas. Uh, and for those who may be listening who are less familiar to with Alta Gas's business, I wonder if you could just take a moment in your in, in your own words, uh, describe the business for us. Absolutely, Peter. I think um, yeah, we're based in Calgary, Alberta, in Canada. And um the company's been here in existence in its uh, current form for just over 25 years. Um, for those of you in the US, you may be more familiar with some of our assets because we recently purchased in the last couple of years um, the Washington Gas and Light Company uh, based at Washington, D.C., near where you are situated, Peter. Um, we have a couple of other um, utility assets around in Alaska and Michigan. We have our Semco and NSTAR brands. Um, there were local gas utilities in, in those uh, uh, jurisdictions. We, we have a number of smaller um, power assets that we've had. Uh, we, we've, we've gradually by been sort of divesting over the years. Um, we had a larger portfolio before, but we've now focused predominantly on utilities. And then the, the, the last piece I'll mention is around our gas midstream business. And so we recently... Um, put into uh, production our, uh, what we call our Rippet facility, which is our Ridley Island terminal, which is in Prince Rupert on the, the west coast of uh, Canada. And uh, we're the only um, exporter of LPG, uh, commonly known as propane, um, and we provide that to uh, our customers in Asia. So th- that we ha- have a number of other value propositions within midstream, but I think the export business is really the crown jewels. Understood. And you were the chief digital officer, as I mentioned a moment ago, Paul. Talk a bit about your purview as CDO, please. Yeah, I think as the I think as the as a, a CDO, I think what has become and when I I joined in 2017, and I think the, the there seemed to be a, a great opportunity in oil and gas. If you have a look at whether you're looking at anything from Gartner, MIT, that, that will kind of give you the maturity curves of which industries are the most mature when it comes to technology and digital, and you know pretty much on every one of those views, energy will be down at the bottom. And within energy, it tends to be, you know, upstream and uh, um, 
and downstream and probably midstream will come towards the the latter end utilities tends to be a little bit more advanced um, and will adopt technologies a bit quicker but i would say you know there was a lot of opportunity um, to adopt technology in the in in the oil and gas space and the energy space and so i think the the kind of purview there is i think the um, the big opportunity i think for for, for our company, companies like us, is to kind of leapfrog a lot of the technologies that um, companies like financial services and more progressive industries have adopted over the years um, with the maturity of, of some of the technologies that are now there, especially with cloud enablement. That enables us to kind of leapfrog and very quickly catch up and go beyond um, um, where you know a lot of, not just where our competitors, but where other industries are. So I, more and more, we just had our, our sort of strategy sessions as, as companies do this time of year. And, you know, digital has been for the last couple of years, you know, very, very um, topical and a, an area that discussed, you know, what are we doing in terms of digitizing the business? And, you know, what are we doing to take advantage of these technologies um, is, is you know, has been progressively more sort of uh, topical over the last few years. That's great. Before we get off your title, you joined, uh, as you mentioned, in 2017 as the chief information officer. And it's a little more than a year ago, nearly a year and a half, that you became the chief digital officer. You also advanced from vice president to senior vice president, so certainly in a bump in seniority from that perspective. But talk a little bit about um, why the change in title and what that represents, please. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and I think I mean, uh, I mean, a title in some ways is just a title. But I think the what it represented, I think, in the the first couple of years, you know, our, our team was able to to impact a lot of foundational change at the company, and I think we demonstrated that we could we could transform ourselves, um, which enabled us to prepare to sort of transfer the wider business. And I think at the time, um, we were looking at you know, how we could um, optimize and transform you know, the, the, the company uh, across you know, all of the areas, whether it was the midstream utilities or the corporate functions. And I think that was an area that I had been asked to sort of um, to lead just with some of the, my past experience, but also you know, what I was able to demonstrate with the team in the, in the prior couple of years. And so I think that was the, the, the change in title was just to reflect that it was a, a wider span of scope. Um, it was wasn't just your traditional information and technology, but it was really about you know using you know digital um, to to transform the wider business. So yeah, it was it, just one word change in the title. Uh, some would say, but I, I would say it was a reflecting influence of our team's ability to to deliver, as well as the the expectations of the business um, to embrace technology, which I think was a big jump for our company. Very interesting. Well, let's get into some of the that very embracing of technology. And this maybe we can get into a little bit about some of what you're acting upon from a strategy perspective. Um, you know, to the uninitiated, and as you point out, uh, even if even to the initiated, in as much as they are uh, investigating industry maturity relative to technology, um, energy isn't necessarily near the top. But as you point out, there's some sounds like some progressive measures uh, being taken within your organization to leapfrog uh, ahead of the competition and emulate those industries uh, such as you can um, uh, in in more uh, more innovative ways. I'd love to hear more about the substance of that, Paul. Um, what what are some of the things you and the, the team are focused on? Yeah, I, th I think, um, so when I arrived a, a few years ago, there, there was it kind of set out the strategy for the next three years. And it was very much about getting a balancing act. And I think that's always the job of a, a CIO, a CDO, it's balancing. You, you, you have to adapt to any, you know, any you know, change in any given year. 
any circumstance like we've all experienced over the last six months, you have to be willing to pivot. But I think the balance that we had was that we needed to get the basics right and, uh, you know, fix the foundation. We need to get healthy and stay healthy. And we actually had a, an initiative called that, you know, to really put a focus on it. And that focus was on the, you know, protecting the company. Um, whilst doing that, you can't, you know, no one's going to be given the luxury of waiting for that to be finished and done. And I think, so you have to balance that with, um, uh, you know, the portfolio of things that are there to kind of optimize the, the company. So some sort of smaller seed change, as well as some larger seed change where some of that is forced upon you. If you're doing M&A deals, if you're, if you're, uh, there are things you just have to jump on and do. So we've done, we've been very active in, in that area. So, you know, I mentioned about acquiring Washington Gas. You know, that was something that we obviously, from a, a technical perspective, we had to um, to make sure that we we um, were there from a technical integration standpoint um, and also the divestitures as well. Um, and then we had to sort of pick carefully the areas where we would sort of transform um, that, um, that we could kind of make a difference in those early years. And the, the, way, the way we really had a look at this is really just by being innovative and kind of the quick you know don't underestimate the quick wins although some of them haven't been necessarily as quick um we kind of we we really embraced um data and we spun up a a team and a program um we named it the triple a program and uh you know analytics automation and ai we kind of branched out of that but that was the kind of the main we wanted something that was was wasn't too gimmicky but it was it was it was sort of punchy and people um know what the triple a team does they've got quite a you know, a great, a great reputation in the company now, but they really went around and, and, you know, been very innovative using a lot of the, the newer technologies around RPA and analytics embraced using data and automation where we could get some real quick wins um, around the company. So that was where we really had sort of, I wouldn't say we bet the farm, but we really said, whilst we're kind of doing everything in the, in the background, we, we need some things that are visible. We can't do, you know, you know, large ERP implementations right now, but we can affect change, lots of smaller change. So that's kind of, you know, that 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 has been our um that, that's kind of been the strategy right from the beginning. And I'd say we've adapted it over the years that the balance between, you know, kind of protect, optimize, grow and transform has, has changed. So this, you know, the, as we as we're looking forward to twenty twenty one, we've got a lot more in the grow and transform area and not so much on the on the protect because we you know, we've we've built a lot of the foundation. Yeah, that's really great. I'd love to go back to this AAA program, the analytics automation and artificial intelligence program. You mentioned there's a team that was aligned with those activities as well. Uh, how did you choose the team? Uh, and to what extent was it representatives who were already within the organization who predated the the uh, development of the program uh, versus or, or in addition to adding staff from outside of the organization, given the fact that I have to imagine some of the things that they were focused on were brand new to the company? It's a combination of things, I guess I would mention. I think one, I think I needed to bring in um, someone who shared my vision for how data was really uh, an, an asset and needed to, it was an untapped asset. Just like a lot of companies would invested heavily in ERPs and had never really got the value out of those ERPs. In fact, there was a lot of reporting and analytics that just couldn't be done efficiently it was like a, a mammoth exercise to do your monthly reporting in the sort of finance areas and we just hadn't you know the the, the technology team hadn't given tools to the business to be able to do um, a lot of the self-service um, reporting analytics that they needed to do so i think what i did is uh, you know we i actually got someone from one of the 
a former colleague that had had been had spent three years at one of the big analytics firms, global analytics firms, to lead this up and. And we, we hired a few like-minded individuals um, who wanted to work in a very agile, innovative way. And we, we partnered very well with some of the um, technology companies, kind of like Microsoft and some of the Microsoft partners. And we chose um, that largely as our platform. We have some SaaS in there as well for some of the high-end analytics, but we felt the integration and the ability to move as fast as we needed to with Microsoft really helped us to achieve what we were targeting. And then we've got a couple of third-party firms that we very much view as part of the team. We don't really view them as external folks. So I think we recognized we couldn't do it all internally. Um, I'd say on top of that, we've, you know, the term citizen developers is kind of uh, uh, something that's been more commonly used. But I would say the last couple of years, you know, we, we had those super users that have now become more citizen developers. We had enabled some. So there's some folks in the, in the more traditional business that have really taken the technologies and tools we provided and provided outstanding solutions. Talk a bit about your team. Uh, is there a preponderance of the team that's in Calgary uh, where you're based? And if so, or even if not, I'd be interested in what the technology uh, landscape looks like in a place like Calgary and Alberta, more generally speaking. How how easy or, or difficult is it to assemble a, a great team around you? Yeah, no, good question. I think our Calgary have moved there 13 years ago and hadn't didn't know too much about Calgary. I think it's you know one of Canada's you know if not the world one of the best kept secrets in terms of talent. You know we have you know a lot of talent in a very small um, uh, space. I guess there's only 1.4 million people. I think in Calgary. But I think we punch above our weight in terms of the number of head offices there are in Calgary and actually how close they all are within us. In fact, you can walk them all within the plus 15 within a square mile. And I think that that is fairly unique in the way that um, talent, not only, uh, I, I guess, the way we collaborate um, between you know, companies um, and some of the, some of the sort of uh, service providers, it's a lot easier to work together when you're you're actually closer in vicinity. When I contrast that with some of the other jurisdictions we have, I think that there's obviously a much deeper pool of talent in the in the in the DC area. There's, uh, and I would say with Amazon coming there um, as well recently, I think that's a really hotbed of talent, and and you know it's a, it's a lot more competitive. Um, when you look at Alaska and Michigan, we've got some great folks out there. A lot easier to. Um, yeah, a lot easier to retain the, those individuals over a long period of time, um, but you know I think we've you know, we've got equally good talent in all of those locations. That's great. As you as you reviewed your strategy a little earlier, Paul, you uh, the first point that you raised related to it was the notion of adaptability and the the necessity as a as a digital and technology leader to foster adaptability during normal times, given the pace of change of technology. Uh, these are not normal times that have certainly required um, adaptability, and, and, and you, uh, uh, in passing, referenced it. I'd love to go in a little bit more into detail, if you don't mind. Um, uh, we, we, we are having this interview in, in 2020 and still in the throes of uh, the pandemic, and uh, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about you know, what this has been like for you and your team. And, and I'd also be interested if you have any reflections on you know, lessons that you've learned during these most unusual times. As a sort of introduction, I'm going to step back a bit. I think there was there was kind of two programs, well, actually three programs as we kicked off the strategic plans that we had as a group three and a half years ago. One was around um, cyber because we needed to kind of get to uh, the level of maturity we were targeting for cyber. And that was that to me was sort of entry level 
uh, table stakes. The AAA that we mentioned was around analytics data. And then we had one around the future of work, which took a little longer to get off the ground. And it was around um, just changing the way that we work, whether in the office or on the field, any device um, sort of, you know, in any location. Um, I'm sure every company has their own version of that. And I would say that that took a little longer to get off the ground. Um, but thank goodness, some of the, um, the the key leaders that we brought in um, did in sort of 2019, especially, but 2018, 19, had laid the foundations. Of course, no one knew what was going to happen in, in 2020. But I think that program was all designed around moving away from the traditional way of working. And so I can tell you, zoom forward to March 2020, I, like many other you know, CIOs and CDOs, you know, you know, probably weren't expecting what we, what we had. In fact, I remember on the Friday before, really, we started to shut down. We had planned that right, we're going to work remotely as a, as a whole digital team across all the four locations and see whether we as a team can work remotely if, if we couldn't come into the office and, and you know, where we would be able to, uh, to continue our services. But that very quickly turned into not just uh, um, not just uh, us um, doing a bit of a trial run, but I'd say from that day forwards, really is is really when the whole lockdown kicked in, and I think very few people from that day forward actually went back in the office. And the reasons we had is because of the foundations that were laid, but the future of work program that we had, whether that was Microsoft Teams or the underlying infrastructure that supported Microsoft Teams, um, you know, very quickly. We were starting to plan, well, from a BCP perspective, how many people are we going to need to support over the next day, two days, week, two weeks, months, et cetera, because no one knew how it was going to unfold. The one thing I didn't expect is within two weeks to have the whole company working pretty much remotely. I'll be honest, I was a little nervous, like most, I think, people in my position. Can we actually cope? Because we hadn't planned necessarily to have everybody working you know, full tilt you know, remotely, which pretty much was other than those, you know, key workers who needed to, to work in the office or in the field. And so, um, you know, I think that, that nervousness then sort of very quickly turned into, you know, level of confidence that we could support um, the remote work and everything, to be honest, from just sort of day-to-day working um, for individuals at their home to the, you know, to a, you know, to the AGM and board meetings all being done virtually. And so, although we, we, I'll be honest, you know, we hadn't, because we didn't predict that, we hadn't planned necessarily to have that level of virtual remote working. Luckily, the foundations we had and, you know, the foresight of companies like Microsoft and others who have, who had built infrastructure to allow this to happen. And we're very, you know, they were flexing in real time, you know, as, as trying to cope with the influx of, of people working remotely. So I think that's, uh, you know, the last thing I would say in terms of what we learned, and I think, again, everyone's probably got their different flavor of this, is that we knew very quickly that we had to change the way people were working. And the best way to affect change is to get the most senior folks in the company to change, and it very quickly cascades down. And I think we were very um, lucky in the fact that we had a couple of members of the EC adapted things very, very early. And that um, that really helped to to push things through. So within within literally days, you know, we had you know the executives of our company and the CEO of the company sort of saying, oh, you know, this is this is great that we can see everyone's faces. You know, um, you know, let, let's 
let's embrace this let's do more of it once you hear that right from the top it's pervasive and it and it changes the way people work very quickly up until that point i'd say it was it was sort of uh, hit and miss in terms of adoption but and to be quite honest i have my boss to thank for that because she very quickly understood what was needed to do to change and very quickly got the CEO and other members of the EC on side. And as I say, I'd say in a matter of days, I think we had sort of changed uh, the, the way people were working. And do you, have you had a chance to reflect, Paul, uh, once we, uh, uh, and hopefully soon, uh, we, we return to more of a new normal, uh, what is this experience, what, what aspects of this experience do you think will carry forward? Are there some silver linings uh, having been forced to think about things differently um, that have you thinking about some, some, of, some of the practices that are currently in place that are likely to have a longer shelf life as a result of it? Yeah, I think like everyone, we we always hope that we're almost out of the, uh, the this situation, but I, I sense we might be here for a, a little longer. So I th- I think there's still some adapting that needs to happen, you know, as, as the sort of COVID continues on in potentially into next year. But I think some of the things I hope will live on, and every company is going to be different. I think it's going to depend on the nature of work, and I guess the you know the way that the executive team um, sees their 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 company embracing their work. But I, I I I would suggest that our company and others that you're going to see a bit more flexibility in terms of really realizing some of that um, more. Um, remote workforce you've seen companies like microsoft in fact um, just very very recently announced that this was going to be a permanent thing that where appropriate i think um you know people were going to work remotely and there's been a number of other high profile companies that um, that you know of that have had have done that as well so i think that i think where appropriate i think where you don't need to have the face-to-face i think you're going to see a change of how much how much office space you need how you're going to use that office space um, and it's not just about working from home, but how you're going to use the technologies to, to work more effectively individually and as a team. And I think the um, we've, we've seen some of those things happen. In fact, I've just had my quarterly offsite with my t- leadership team over the last couple of days. And one of the things we were commenting on as I was kind of debriefing with uh, the facilitator is that there are some things actually have got, have actually improved as a result of everyone you know, being virtually uh, connected and attending the offsite. There are some things that are, that are always going to be much, much better in person. And I don't think you can ever get away from that. But I think I, I'm hoping that we'll see a healthier balance. And, and I'm hoping that will make everyone's uh, you know, work-life balance uh, uh, you know, better. Yeah, that makes that all makes sense. I wanted to also ask you, Paul, as you look to the future, say two or three years out, and you've already talked about uh, including your AAA program, some of the areas uh, trends that you're already be, you know have been in the process for it sounds like months, if not years, implementing. What are some additional technology trends that particularly intrigue you as you look to the future? Yeah, I, I think a few, and I think um, as we were at, as at this time of year when you're kind of putting your strategic plans together, you're bubbling up those things to the top. And what we've done this year, I have a, a member of my leadership team um, who heads up the sort of research and innovation, and I'd asked him to um, to prepare kind of what are the top disruptive you know technology digital trends, and let's you know I see our role as not not just um, rolling out solutions but educating first. So it's not just us doing it to you know, business areas, but we're doing it together. So I, I see our, our role to kind of educate and so we can we can visualize together what the future can look like. And so we had some sessions where we start to say, look, there's a number of technologies coming down the pipe, everything from sort of, you know, low earth orbit satellites and 5G to things that have been here a, a, around a little bit longer, like 3D printing drones, 
AR, VR, et cetera. And, and really what we're talking about is on their own and then the convergence of these technologies together. You know, what does that mean? you know out in the industry and specifically to us so before we even started to conceive the strategy we'd already started to understand what these macro trends are so i'll, I'll mention a couple i think the the one big thing that started and I, I mentioned earlier i can i can see is going to um really um accelerate is the is that sort of whole democratization of expertise um the citizen developer um on these low code platforms um like many other companies that don't need to have a um, a big development shop in house um, unless you're um, developing a, a platform. And one of my leadership team just came from the Moody's Corporation, where they are developing their own platform. That's a little different. You need to have, you know, a, a big development shop because that's your kind of uh, your um, value proposition. Most other companies, we're an oil and gas company. You know, I don't need to have a ton of developers developing um, app bespoke applications. Um, however, you know, I think that that trend of moving away from, you know, bespoke in SAP or any of these other ERPs, just because you could, you know, we, we kind of had a rethink and said, yeah, we, we want to to stop doing those kinds of things because, you know, they're, they're not value add. But this low-code platform that, to be fair, Salesforce had really was one of the first ones in the industry that had, had started to to have that with their force.com platform and, um, and their, their sort of store. And then I think you had companies like um, ServiceNow and others that started to do it. But you know, Microsoft, because of the market share they have in other areas with the, the Office suite, has has really set this alight a little bit. And I think the um, when we started to see the Power Platform in particular, and how much it integrated, and how easy it was for people outside of the digital group to um, to build solutions. We kind of realized that this is something we need to embrace. So actually, I wouldn't say we ripped up our, our sort of strategy of, of you know, moving away from being a development shop. It was just a different type of um, development we were doing. And so I think that that's something that I, I, I think you're going to see grow um, across um, all the different industries. Um, I think we need to manage it carefully. and But I think um, that there's a massive opportunity to, to democratize what we have commonly done in our IT groups. So that's one area that I, I think is, is big. I think the, the second one I kind of touched on with the future work, I think we just had a session. Actually, Microsoft came to our to our, our session and presented just some of the, the, new, the newer features on their technologies and how we can collaborate a little bit better. And I think now what we really need to do from what we hopefully have learned over the last six months is um, not just introducing these technologies but how we can evangelize them and actually get them to sort of stick and change the way that we work i think there's a big opportunity to actually go and above and beyond what we've had to do um, and actually embrace what can be done to make each of us more productive and our teams more collaborative and productive um, the other one is on the just because we're an asset in terms of industry um there is there's what's commonly known as ot operational technology and that whole convergence of it ot and iot is really starting to uh, take a foothold and i think um, in our business for instance in our exports business it's very much a logistics business at the heart of it um, as well and so learning from other um, more pure play logistics businesses like the FedExes of this world or even Amazon who have, you know, really leaned out their, um, their supply chains and use technology. Um, you know, we, we're looking to use a you know, number of technologies to help us with that. So whether that's, you know, just, you know, sensors that collect more data in real time, you know, smart devices, you know, digital twins and 
and a, and a really a, a, a sort of play on words, not the more traditional digital twins that we've seen, but a sort of a, a digital twin that's more of a, a, a data version of what happens in real life, um, not just sort of a 3D rendition of a facility. Um, we're looking at both. Um, and then there's a number a number of other technologies um, um, that are going to help on the communication side. And the low Earth orbit satellite is, is one that we're really looking forward to seeing because we we operate in a lot of a lot of remote areas in sort of northern BC and Alberta that just don't have the connectivity um, uh, and, and and if we do it's expensive so that's suddenly gonna um, democratize a lot of that data that's trapped right now and so that whole concept of edge computing and getting at that data to make real-time decisions is something that I think um, we're going to see a lot of. One that I've, I've put out there that's been around for a while and talked about that was never really been adopted in certainly in our industry is on the blockchain side, and and I, nothing's really happened there on that in the whole sort of trusted ledger concept. But I think you're going to see in the next few years, whether it's around uh, supply chain, whether it's around ESG, um, you know, more the more traditional finance areas. I, I'd love to in, in in Calgary we have the concept of gas day which is a settlement day um, on the 25th of of uh, the month which anyone outside of uh, our jurisdiction would probably never have heard of but it's traditionally been done very very manually I would love to see us adopt some blockchain technology to kind of get rid of some of those uh, more manual um, tasks that everyone in industry sort of partakes in so I think that there, there is a number of others but they're the ones I would I think I would throw out there as ones we're watching that's a great list, Paul. Thank you. Well, Paul Selway, thank you so much for uh, for taking time and sharing some of your perspectives, the fascinating transformation that you've led in uh, nearly four years as CIO and now CDO uh, of Alta Gas. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Thank you very much, Peter, for having me. Thanks for tuning in. Please join me on Wednesday when my guest will be Dmitry Alperovich, the co-founder of CrowdStrike and the co-founder and executive chairman of Silverado Policy Accelerator.